This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the fantasy hockey podcast that has a shorter runtime than Duncan Keith's average time on ice, but is more stuffed with content than Evander Kane's stat line. Joining me on tonight's show, we have a very special guest, Jesse Severe of the Fantasy Hockey Life Podcast is with me. Jesse, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you, man? I'm doing really well, and in particular, I'm jazzed to drop our new catchphrase, which you helped inspire in a uh, um, um, DM we were having earlier today. Yes, yes. Sometimes my lineups feel about as full as Duncan Keith's stat sheet, but uh, it, it it gave me a good point of reference to know that that was about the length we'd be shooting for on uh, on the show. Yes, right. It's it's very different. I mean, you have a similar show to Brian and Elon, Fantasy Hockey Life, where you guys go, you and uh, Victor Nuno, also a friend of the show, you guys go deep for, for about an hour and a half or so each week. Me and, me and uh, as Elon said, when he visited our show, it's, it's a very different animal, just trying to, to breeze through everything as quickly as we can go. Yeah, I, I love the mothership up there at Keeping Carlson, but, I mean, it, it, they're going through, like, every team every week. I mean, you're kind of going through the entire National Hockey League. And, uh, yeah, Fantasy Hockey Life, We right now we're going one division at a time, and uh, we have a very special guest, Ben Burnett, coming up this weekend to talk uh, through the, uh, the, the uh, what is it, the, the Mass Mutual Eastern Division? I was, was going to say I didn't know the name of the division before <laughs> before I started prepping for that show. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's Mass Mutual, which makes me think that there's a Bruins bias to the NHL this mm. year. Is that a Massachusetts company? Hmm. Just makes you wonder. It's a great point. And, yeah, so check out that show. That'll drop, I believe, Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, it, we'll split it in two and mm. because I'm trying to keep them shorter. So we'll have an hour-long podcast on Sunday and another half of that with Ben coming out on Wednesday. All right. Well, Jesse, as I mentioned, we are going to hop right into – the short shift episode tonight, starting with headlines, and of course, as has happened, I think, for half of our shows this year, we've had to talk about a brand new COVID outbreak, and this one in Vancouver. Uh, the Canucks are now on the shelf until April 6th. They're going to lose three games played, two this week, one next. i got to ask you, Jesse, does this change anything for you with any Canucks players? Or is anybody who you're dropping to make sure? I mean... For most, like I think Yahoo Standard Leagues next week is the, the final week of the season. There's got to be some players here who you're not going to want to stick around and wait for. Anybody marginal on the Canucks at this point, I think you have to consider cutting loose if, if they're anything near a streamer because you're not going to get them for a few days, and, and you should be doing it now. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday night, so I might cut somebody loose 
even tonight uh, to be able to get somebody in the Friday lineup. Of course, Saturday lineup is going to be pretty full. But, yeah, they're going to – and when we say through the sixth, they are not playing the sixth. Their first game possible would be on the eighth at Calgary. So we, we hope for the best on that, that they'll be able to come back by then. But I, I ain't going a week without players from a team unless it's, uh, unless it's a star. The toughest part about this, I think, is that we just went a week without the Canucks. So, like – Hopefully, if you're anybody who is Canucky on your roster is somebody who it's worth holding on to. But in a shallow league, ten team league, you're fighting for your life. Are you dropping Brock Besser? In, in a ten team? Yeah. Uh, I, I if I had to in a ten team league, I I would absolve people. I would give them permission. You know, you're going to end up with uh, with Besser having a two game week next week with with that Saturday night game when everybody's in the NHL's playing and, and same with Thursday. So you wouldn't even necessarily need him to fill a spot those nights. Ouch. That would hurt so much. I know. But, Brutal. And then only three games the first week of the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, the, the Canucks just aren't playing a whole lot until we figure out when all these uh, games are going to get rescheduled. Yeah, and the tough part about a lot of these rescheduling, I remember early in the year it was all about stacking Canadian division players because, you know, Canada is dealing with COVID so well. We're all dealing with the variant now, and Canada is struggling just like the States is, and especially in rolling out the vaccine. And so uh, it, it's just a bummer. I mean, if you stacked up on Canadian teams, you're now losing games played in the clutch weeks, and you're probably not going to see them rescheduled within – the fantasy playoffs, because a lot of the games that were rescheduled from the, the Habs recent break, those went into the week after May May 2nd or May 3rd, which is when most Yahoo leagues are going to wrap up. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, if you happen to be playing in a Roto format, you're in a little bit better shape because mm. presumably those games will come back for you. Uh, I also am playing in some weekly format leagues, and in, in those, I mean, we can't start Canucks this week. Well, if you started Canucks this week, you're locked in. You you can't oh. do anything about it now. And I wouldn't take the risk next week knowing that they're not even going to even theoretically play until Thursday. Um, I know our top opposition in, in the National Fantasy Hockey Championship next week has Thatcher Demko on his roster, and I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation. Um, we will move on. There are other teams we need to get to today. We'll go first to New Jersey. I think this is a quick hit, but basically Nikita Gusev waved today. Uh, a player who had a lot of hype coming in from the KHL last year. Any interest if he does get picked up somewhere else, Jesse? I saw Byron Bader, who's a, a favorite of my uh, co-host Victor Nuno, does this hockey prospecting model to kind of project how people are going to do based on, you know, their their work in the KHL and so forth. And he was sort of mourning Nikita Gusev today and is getting waived because he came in with such wonderful potential and projection. But, man, if you can't get the opportunity in New Jersey, where are you going to do it? And it's too late in the season for me to want to speculate, except in the deepest of formats, on a guy who's going to have to come into a new system and he's going to have to play his way into a reasonable offensive role. I, I I'm not doing it this year. Jesse, we now need to move on, and I think what we're about to do is talk about every goaltender in the national. It feels like we're about to talk about every goalie in the league. We'll start in Carolina. Petter Morazic today announced on a conditioning stint down in the AHL. A lot of Nadelkovich owners, a lot of James Reimer owners, probably right now after the after the Morazic injury, he's gone for so long. Who do you like out of this three-headed monster for the rest of the season, and do you see it resolving itself in? a way that allows one of them to have fantasy relevance? Well, I, I, I want to cheat a little bit on this, mm. and I want to say that my favorite goalie on the team is goalie Nottreimer. 
uh, <laughs> as in one who is not Mr. James Reiner, who has been objectively bad in his 18 games, the negative goal saved above expected, whereas Peter Morazic and Alex, uh, and, and Alex Netty have been outstanding, man. They, they, they've blown it out of the water. Now, Morazic only got to play four games, but he uh, really had outstanding performance those games. I have to think that they're going to ease him in slowly, but uh, I, I don't see this team really resolving it, but it, it's definitely worth holding one or the other if you have them because if one of these takes the main side of that platoon going to the end of the season on that good of a team, you're going to have a stud for your fantasy playoffs. I guess we'll see how that goes. Let's hop down uh, to Pittsburgh. We talked about this on Tuesday, so Tristan Jari still day-to-day. Mike Sullivan today said that he's on the trip with the team. In his absence, what do you think about Casey DeSmith? Is he a must-add? Yes, he is. Casey DeSmith, wow. if, if you haven't been paying attention, man, he's real good. He's been doing mm-hmm. really good this year. Third in the National Hockey League in even strength, goal saved above expected. Only two goalies better than him. There are a couple little guys named uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Connor Hellebuck. Okay, now, is, is that uh, something you can keep up? Probably not. But look, the backup goalie in Pittsburgh is well known to be the best goalie in the league, whoever that is. Uh, last <laughs> year was Tristan Jari. Now that he's the favorite, then he's no good and old and stinky now. Uh, I mean, first, I guess first it was Matt Murray, and then it mm-hmm. was uh, Tristan Jari, and now it's Casey DeSmith. So, uh, you know, Casey could be the goalie next year, and uh, you'll want to add whoever's backup is. Wow, that is I I enjoy this type of fantasy advice that's rooted in tradition rather than analysis. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I mean it's good to know that there are patterns that emerge that you can kind of depend on in fantasy you've hockey. A, you've got to blend narrative with goals saved above expected. That's the sweet spot, Ben. Okay, that's good to know. Let's go next to Toronto, where we have another goalie injury. I actually read today that the Leafs, Elliot Friedman said that the Leafs had made inquiries into Linus Allmark uh, to come and help Jack Campbell in, uh, while they await Freddie Anderson. I think they're currently waiting to find out what's going on with Freddie Anderson. Campbell, though, on a hot streak, 7-0 and this year. Do you think he's a must-own at this point, and do you think he he takes the, the job down the stretch? Or It's such a weird thing, right? And every, it, it does seem like there's kind of this critical mass of everybody who's saying Jack Campbell is just the man now because mm-hmm. he just hasn't lost, and, and Toronto fans have been so frustrated by Frederick Anderson all year. Look, we, we kind of know when things boil back down, Frederick Anderson is, is a very good goalie. And if he if he can get back in a good place where he gets on a streak, he will presumably never give up that job again. But Jack Campbell, remember, former first-round pick. And so there's maybe some uh, pedigree to ride this on. You know, I, I would keep riding Jack Campbell until he starts losing those starts. But if Freddie Anderson gets on a tear, man, that's he's not going to give up the net. They've got too much invested in him. I, this year, yes. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting situation there given the fact that he is an expiring, and Campbell is still an unknown. Like, with the way that he's been a bit of a Band-Aid boy this year, it's been tough for them to kind of see what he could give them if given a little bit more rope. And so it's going to be a tough decision to make for them, I, I have to say. Like, after this year, Freddie's obviously been bad, but I don't see them... In a keeper league, I'm not that excited about Jack Campbell because I think they're going to have to bring in somebody with experience and... I don't I don't know that this is going to I don't think this will be a results comparable but like I think heading into next year it's going to be like when Holtby joined the Canucks right it's like they'll bring in this this guy who's played a bunch of games and we're going to have to guess which one is going to get the 1A starts 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Jack Campbell, again, he came in with some pedigree, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from that backup spot in the Kings, but it is it is probably kind of telling that all the rumors lately have been about who else the, the Maple Leafs mm-hmm. are going to get in goal, you know, between the Jonathan Quick rumors, and now you're talking about Linus Olmark. It doesn't seem like uh, people are satisfied there. You know, there is, you know, talk about narrative, though, too, with Frederick Anderson, uh, you know, Canuck, uh, Leafs fans would be ready to ra- uh, run that guy out of town on a rail, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that is that is a city where if you underperform dramatically, uh, it kind of doesn't matter what your underlying perform uh, underlying performance might be mm-hmm. or what you might be able to bounce back to. The the uh, the market just won't bear you hanging around. So, yeah, it, it you know it, he could very well be gone, but it only takes one good streak for everybody's memories to kind of lapse back into. Oh, that's right, he's good goalie. Yeah, that is one of those markets where it's purely uh, results. Like, if you, we don't care about process. Win or get out of town. Shout out to James Reimer. Um, I think that's somehow all of the goaltenders that we had to talk about. So coming up, we'll get into a couple of skaters. You're listening to Short Shifts. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Jesse, I'm, I'm used to saying Lewis, all excited here, but <laughs> Jesse. Where I answered to everything. Right. And so... We're going to talk about a player on a team we almost never talk about, Joel Farabee on the Philadelphia Flyers. Just three points in his last nine games. I had to bring him up tonight. He's the number one dropped player on Yahoo when I look at transaction trends. Are you over Joel Farabee? Is he a drop at this point? You know, I do have shares of him in a couple of different places. If you look at daily face-offs lines right now, they have him playing with Carson Twarinski and Connor Bunneman on the fourth line. Have you heard of those people, Ben? No, you have not. Am I've I heard of Connor Bunneman. All right. No, it Connor doesn't Bunneman matter if is, I see them right. He's been playing a lot of games. So, yes, I, give, me, give me the Bunneman credit. I'll take half points. I'll give you the Bunneman, but nobody gets <laughs> the Twarinski, man. Nobody gets and, and why is he playing with these guys? Because halfway through the prior game against Buffalo, he, Oscar Lindblom, and Nolan Patrick got summarily benched halfway through the game and didn't get back in the game, and they just dealt with it. I'm starting to think that, like, Gritty just rage quit the whole season. Like a video game, he just turned it off in the middle. Uh, you know, before this was all going on, Farabee at least was out there playing with Kevin Hayes and Claude Giroux, which, you know, that's good. You want that. <laughs> but if uh, Farabee is only going to play these kind of minutes, uh, even if he does get the occasional power play moment on the second power play, as he still is, nah, man, I think Farabee, uh, his little run may be done. Yeah, having watched the Rangers under Alan Vigneault for many years, I'm very familiar with what I call the Pavel Buchnevich Memorial Doghouse, which is uh, <laughs> is where Joel Farabee appears to have moved in. I do think that, I mean, actually, I was going to say, like, 
he's been so good for 30 games or whatever, like I and he avoided the doghouse for so long, I would assume he gets back up. But just as I was about to say the sentence, I was like, I don't know what Alan Vino is going to do. That man is just completely unpredictable. Remember when um, – do you remember last summer in the bubble – Alan Vino just went like full heel and just started like trolling the other team to essentially take the what what seemed to be to take the heat off of his players. <laughs> nice. Do you nice. know what I'm talking about? I I I vaguely have a recollection. I I was steering away from the Flyers in some of those early series, but uh, that sounds like classic Vigneault. What they ought to do because Vigneault clearly has a lot of energy to burn off. They should just sign Josh Hosang. And allow Vigneault to healthy scratch him every night, just you know, just rage scratch him, so that some of these other better players can uh, can stay there, but he still gets his his urge taken care of. Yeah, it's a little bit like you um, like exposure therapy, like you just get him out that you get a guy who he can, or like a like a fidget spinner, but for uh, but for benching young players who don't get enough of a chance in the NHL. I love it. That's a, that's a great idea. If you name your episodes, Josh Hosang is my fidget spinner would be a great nominee. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm a, like I said, though, I do have to say for Joel Farabee, who's having like a huge step forward, and a lot of his numbers are, you know, his shooting percentage is in the in the high teens, and uh, his on ice shooting percentage was in the teens for a while there, playing with uh, with JVR and Couturier to start the year. A lot of unsustainability, but. You know, a lot of that he deserved. Like, he was playing really, really well. He was he's scoring a bunch of power play goals, and he's scoring in different ways, too. Like, I really like Joel Farabee as a player. So for that reason, I still kind of believe in him. In keeper leagues, I'm less phased. But, God, like, in a one year, and you're the only reason that I would keep him is because of what we're just about to talk about here, Jesse, is because the Philadelphia Flyers have a five-game week next week as well as the Boston Bruins here. And I think that I just wanted to take a minute. We don't usually get deep into the schedule. That's something that uh, Cousin Dave does on the stream scheme, and he does an amazing job. But I just have to ask, because I think this is important for folks who are heading into the weekend and need a win next week, or maybe they're down big or up big and they're ready to start looking forward. i got to ask, any waiver wire players that you would be interested in off of Boston or or Philly ahead of this five-game week? I really couldn't come up with a lot. I one guy I was thinking about was Craig Smith. I mean, the things mm. are so things are so unpredictable in Philly right now. It's just such a mess that it's hard for me to really seize on somebody when you're going to see things like Oscar Lindblom getting scratched for part of the game. Uh, but Craig Smith, you know, he's kind of an underrated, kind of a marginal player, but a, a marginal player who maybe in your scoring format gets three points five times a week is, uh, is better than a guy who gets uh, four points three times a week, right? I mean, it's just a simple math. Now, uh, you know, some of those games, like you're going to have the Saturday night when everybody's playing, so that's not necessarily going to be a very advantageous one. But not only do the Flyers and the Bruins have five-game weeks, they're also the only two teams in the NHL with a Monday-Tuesday back-to-back. So you're starting out the week with a, a real sweet schedule situation. Even if you have to move on from one of them, you can at least bank those first two nights worth of production. Totally. And a few players I will mention who are a little bit more owned than Craig Smith. Up in the teens here, we have Nick Ritchie at 15% on Yahoo, David Krejci at 21%. I would have no issue if you're in a deep league streaming either of those guys in for five games. Like you said, the math just checks out. And then if you're in a shallower league, Matt Grizzlick at 50% owned is also somebody who – 
you know, even if you're in an eight or a ten team league where you might have to drop a very good defenseman, five games for Matt Grizzlick to help you get into the playoffs seems like a fair throwaway. On the Philadelphia side, I think that you're right that it's it's scary to try and guess who could be good in Philadelphia or where they could figure into the lineup, but I would just keep an eye on those lines, man. Like, Joel Farabee's around 54%. I wouldn't have a problem, like, giving him a tentative ad in some leagues just to just to see what happens. Kevin Hayes right around that 50% mark. Uh, Jacob Voracek somehow owned lower than both of those, and I would obviously prefer Voracek over either at this point. Yeah, and to be clear, I would endorse all of the guys that you're mentioning. I was I was trying to mm. fit even lower than that. It sort of depends on league depth. I'm, I guess I'm yes. playing in the yeah, league yeah, deeper formats, but all the guys you've mentioned, yeah, absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. it's worth the speculation when it comes to some of these guys because, again, they don't have to do much, especially guys who, if you're in a peripherals league, can get you, get you maybe a couple shots and a hit. Even that is worth something on a night when you're not able to fill your lineup. And, you know, you can always, if they're not doing much, you get the two nights out of them, you stream them out, and you get somebody else who might be able to do a little bit more for you starting on Wednesday. So, yeah, I definitely would look at those. Uh, let me let me ask you, is, is Shane Gostisbehere coming back to this team? Didn't they, like, send him down and, and he might still be able to come back up? Yeah, I would think that they'll call him up again the way that, like, this is essentially just like a, a more productive version of the healthy scratch that we that we saw him get for three games in a row, right? Like, I, I think he'll come back up and go into the lineup and come out of it again. And I think it's kind of curtains for his value this year, right? Like, just because how can you add him to your roster without knowing if he's actually going to play any game? Yeah, yeah, that's... uh adding him to your roster for a playoff week would be like, you know, uh, shooting a basketball shot from half court uh, with your back to the hoop, just throwing it up and shouting Kobe and having right. it go through, you know. I mean, you'd have to be calling your shot like that. So maybe don't do it if you're uh, trying to win. Yes, uh, if you're trying to win, like, with style points and, like, throw it in your opponent's face, <laughs> maybe that's a fun way to do it. But, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, one name that I do want to mention quickly out of Boston, and because I promised we'd talk about every single goaltending tandem, I think we're now at 31. Dan Vladar starts tonight. Uh, he's given up two goals so far to Pittsburgh on 16, uh, 18 shots, rather, 16 saves on 18 shots. Uh, Vladar's been pretty good, like two, uh, 920 uh, prior to this game. Any interest in Dan Vladar? Can he steal saves from Yarrow Halak? Man, this this Boston team, is their goalie situation is always so mysterious. Remember, remember it, it seems like just yesterday when it was like, ooh, this is, these are two great goalies, but they only get 40 starts a, you know, a piece, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing holding them back, but they're both just amazing. Well, Halak has been bad lately. He, he's just been bad. Tuca, the injury man of mystery, supposedly has some kind of an upper back thing going on right now, but with Tuca, you just never quite know what's going on when he disappears. So why not? I mean, Valadar is a uh, is a, a prospect with some pedigree. I think I've got him in a dynasty league, actually, um, and been considering uh, calling him up for some of this stuff. I don't see why not. If, you know, if Jake mm-hmm. Ottinger and some of these guys can can get some run, why can't uh, why can't Dan? I'm with you. I think I was so skeptical of him, and, and I had uh... – I had Halak when Rask first went down in the cupful, so I was, like, laughing, like, cackling to myself, like, ha, 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 how did I pull off such a heist getting the getting uh, an elite team's number one, like, volume starter now that Rask is down? And then, uh, did you pronounce his name, Vladair? Oh, I, I, I don't know that one offhand. 
We'll call him Darth Dan. Um, yeah, Darth Dan. <laughs> Darth like Dan stole this stole a start from uh, from Halak, and he. I just kept watching, being like, "Oh, my my Penguins are just about to score several goals on him," and they just didn't. He had an incredible debut, and uh, you know he's he's continued to be a fairly solid uh, a solid player and. Respect, big respect to Dan so far for his performance. Look at it this way too. Uh, on we talked about that five game week next week. Mm. Who does who do the Bruins get on Monday exactly. Tuesday? They get yeah. the Flyers back to back. They're mm-hmm. not going to play. I mean, if 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 Tuka's not back, Halak's not playing back to back. One of those games exactly. is uh, is going to be Darth. Exactly, Jesse. And so I could see streaming in a little a little Darthy Dan for next week. That sounds fun to me. I have one more question here for you, Jesse, and it is because I think folks should know that Fantasy Hockey Life is a excellent source for prospect and dynasty advice. And so I wanted to ask you about the dynasty story of the week, at least in my opinion, Cole Caulfield signing in Montreal. I got to ask, is there any interest here for for, uh, redraft leagues or keeper leagues, like limited keeper style, or is this just something that the dynasty freaks can get excited? And I say freaks lovingly. Can the dynasty (laughs) freaks... Are they allowed to be excited now? Inclusive of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, you I, I do hope people will tune into our show. My co-host, Victor Nuno, is the expert on the prospects, but you happen to pick one who is right down my wheelhouse. Old Cole Caulfield uh, plays here in Wisconsin. Uh, he played for the Wisconsin Badgers up until now, which is just down the road uh, from me where my, my son goes to school. Uh, the season ended about a week ago because they got upset in the playoffs, but Cole Caulfield pretty much dragged them there. He's, of course, a Montreal Canadiens prospect. He's uh, up there now in Canada going through the seven-day quarantine. Why should you be excited about this guy? Yes. First of all, in Dynasty, uh, if there's any chance of getting him, you got to get him. In Keepers, even, uh, it, with a reasonably deep format, you want to. He led the NCAA men's hockey with 30 goals and 31 games this year, the highest goals per game average in the 21st century. If you take out his national best 11 power play goals, he'd still be tied for the goal-scoring league in the NCAA. Uh, He is a finalist, one of the three finalists for the Hobie Baker Award, and that Byron Bader prospecting model that my friend Victor likes to use, uh, projecting future performance kind of based on the way that they looked in certain years' performance, uh, compares his current trajectory to Martin Saint-Louis. So this is a guy who's going to get up. He's going to score some very pretty goals. You can go and Google Goal Caulfield. Uh, goals on uh, on uh, Twitter or YouTube or something like that and see some pretty amazing stuff. So, uh, yeah, I you know, as far as this year, it's really scary to me to think a guy's going to go up to Canada after a long season, is going to take a seven days off from skating. He's going to go to the Laval Rocket a little bit. I don't know how much he'll get to play there. And then uh, try, to, try to get into crack a NHL lineup and uh, do something this year. I don't know. It might be it might be a bit too far. If you are a first seed in your playoffs, already clinched everything, going to have a first-round buy and could just burn money at this point and have a guy sitting on your bench in case he goes off at the end, why not? So I guess my big question for you on, on Caulfield is where do you see him slotting in on the Canadians, and do you realistically see him having an impact like next year? Do you think he can be kind of a like a Calder candidate uh, in a year from now? Yeah, I think he could be a call to can, uh, candidate next year. I mean, he's 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 got to lock into that role. I mean, the, the Canadians have had some uh, some issues with guys being out with COVID. Uh, you know, Tyler DeFoley's been a little bit dinged up. They've they've lost some guys. They've got a whole lot of depth. They've got kind of a lot of averageish guys on their uh, National Hockey League squad and and kind of extended to the AHL. And I don't really mean that as an insult. I mean, they've got a lot mm-hmm. of guys who 
could be NHL players who kind of extend. They've got a lot of depth in that way, but not a lot of, like, star-star talent. They've got, you know, a couple of outstanding players, but not a lot of star-star talent. Caulfield is the guy who I could see becoming, like, the leading goal scorer for the Montreal Canadiens within a couple of years. He's just got amazing uh, amazing ability to get out there and score. So, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in this guy. Uh, he slipped a lot further in the draft than, than many of us thought that he would. And, uh, yeah, I, it, it, he's a guy worth getting excited about. But, yeah, I, I, I can't really expect much out of a guy premiering this late in the NHL season. Well, Jesse, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate your input and your excellent insight all, all over this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can folks find your show? You can find us uh, at Fan- Fantasy Hockey Life's name of the podcast. Look for it anywhere. We're on Fantrax and Fantrax HQ, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at FanHockeyLife. Excellent. Uh, for myself, Ben Burnett, and my usual co-host, Louis Ezekiel, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftKK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson on Twitter, and our good cousin Dave Fetton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. You can also check out the sites we used to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Kakupple.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. Until we see you next time, play smart and keep those shifts short.